Roll to Save presents The Assumptions, a Slay Industries actual play podcast. Previously on The Assumptions, our story begins with three brand new operatives fresh out of the Slay Training Academy at Many. Bob, the human, Bob McTavish, the frother, and Bovril, the advanced carrion. They make their way from the university that has been their home for the last four years to the city of Mott, the capital of Slay Industries' world of progress. Here they find that they have been assigned together on a squad that they quickly name The Assumptions. After much form filling, they are set loose in uptown shopping malls and quickly acquire a plethora of equipment, some useful, some showy, for use in their new lives as Slay operatives. Bovril, it seems, has an almost encyclopedic knowledge of Slay's catalogue of arms and armour, much to the irritation of McTavish, who simply wants to get his hands in a power claymore and get out of there. We join them now as they reconvene in a bar to discuss their prospective first day on the job. Okay, so you, you, you've agreed to meet up in a, in a kind of a bar that's some kind of common distance between your various like houses. So you've, you've, you've come to the Ned's Arms, you've come in, um, McTavish is obviously later than anybody else, and as he walks in, assuming he does turn up, looking for a nod from Steve, he will find Bovril hanging off the word of Bob, and they're talking about unis and credits and bartering. They appear to have drinks in front of them, um, I don't know if there's a third drink sitting there already. Well, Bovril would have bought a drink for McTavish. Yeah, so there are his, three drinks. His assumption is he's going to turn up. That's what yeah, we do. He, he's later. He seems a little more relaxed than he was irritated earlier. Bovril probably has no clue why. Bob might have some suspicion. Aye, it's, uh, that was uh, quite the wee shopping trip we did there earlier, wasn't it, lads? You looked like you had some uh, fun there, right, Bovril? I had a lot of fun. The staff were all incredibly helpful. They have fulfilled all my needs. Have you seen Magholds? Magholds are amazing. And Bovril's show, he's wearing his lime green body blocker armor and he's got a Maghold, which is like a large metal plate on his thigh. And there's a pistol clip there. Bovril will pull the pistol off and say, look, I've got this here. And then he puts it next to the Maghold, he lets go and it just shink. When Bovril pulls the gun out, you hear a lot of people going, fuck, <laughs> looking around, and then he slaps it back. He's like, oh, everybody kind of calms down a bit as well. I have a great piece of technology. Right, it is cutting fantastic. Edge. It also keeps a good cutting edge if you have a knife, because it can sharpen it. I did not know that. That was a clever wordplay, McTavish. Absolutely. Yes, that's exactly what I meant. He takes a drink and he just stands it. Aye, uh, yeah, I've got this mag hold. See this? Uh, see my sword here? See how it's uh, sticking to my back there? That's also with a mag hold. So yeah, I'm uh, two thumbs up on that one. Excellent. I have a, I have a similar one like that, but I have not brought my submachine gun with me. I did not think it would be a prudent thing to bring to a bar. See, that surprises me. I assumed he'd be wearing absolutely bloody everything. No, no, he's he's got the rest of the stuff completely locked down in his apartment. Okay, fair enough. But he, he's basically brought the pistol he's bought is called a fire jacket, and it looks like to anyone else 
like a very small pump action shotgun, but it has got this enormous barrel on it. And you guys may have seen it on some shows. It's the sort of thing, it's got a caliber that normally you wouldn't actually fire at a person. You'd probably fire at a building or a vehicle. And it looks like a pistol sized in Bovril's hand. Anyone else would probably fire it two-handed. As, as, you're, all, as you're all sitting there, this uh, the, um, waitress comes over and uh, she looks at looks at McTavish and, and, and the, the barb and then he's a little start in the eyes, but you know, she, she holds it together well. She's a, uh, uh, gents, uh, can I get you anything? Need uh, refills? Yeah, Aye, make it another round there, yeah. Excellent, three Daves, Dave Beer? Okay, three Daves, I'll be right back. And off she goes. Overall drinks his Dave beer, following McTavish's example, because he's clearly the expert on, on drinking. <laughs> How long does that first one last, McTavish? It's oh, gone. He, he just downed it, like, as soon as he got there. Just went down in one. Just one, went down in one. This is, like, lightweight stuff for him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, super lightweight. Like, that was like, it was like a morning coffee. <laughs> That's exactly what it was, yeah. Um, Sex in a canoe. <laughs> So yeah, after after a while, the waitress comes back and you guys are sitting there and it doesn't look like any conversations going on and she kind of walks up and says, uh, um, new here? Puts down three bottles. Um, yeah, very. very. You, you guys want glasses? Sorry, she's got glasses with her. I, I've, I've got mine. I'm good. I'm wearing mine. They're for corrective vision. Okay, hon. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was more thinking for the drink. And she shows you a glass. No, I'm fine. I have my bottle. No problem. She puts oh, I'll take one. Okay, put your glass down, puts the bill on the table and says, uh, you need anything, give me a call, okay? And off she goes. Uh, we'll call you back in a few minutes, I'm sure. He downs the speed, he the next one already. She, she, you can see us. she stops like literally about five foot away and kind of almost like subconsciously hears this beer being just completely demolished <laughs> and just turns over, looks over shoulder and goes, another? Uh, I think we'll I think we'll get onto the harder stuff in a minute. We're gonna have a wee chin wag here, which you know three of us. But we'll, I'll, I'll flag you down. No problem. Off she goes. So we need BPNs to get paid. That's what we were told at the academy. Blueprint news files. They are our jobs. Is this Bob? This is correct. I believe so. Yeah, it certainly uh, tallies with what I remember. So how do we get these? I imagine there has to be somewhere where they're given out, so it would be uh, over at HQ. It's been the subject of so many kind of briefings and stuff. So there are numerous BPN halls across uh, Mort City. Um, they, they're kind of collectively known as Slayer's Cribs, but that's after the actual original Slayer's Crib, which is the one in Uptown near uh, where you've got your um, briefing, your orientation briefing. So you can basically go to any one of those uh, and applied for a BPN. So the first thing you need to do is go and register your squad as wanting a BPN, any specialties, that kind of stuff. And then eventually you'll get issued a BPN. There are ways of shortcutting the system. So you can go to machines and get issued BPNs, just punch a button and you'll get one, but you won't have an awful lot of control over what it is. Um, you can also, there's, there are people that will actually do all of that for you. There are agents that will do all the BPN stuff for you, but obviously for a fee. So that's how you get a BPN. The only other thing that you will know is your first BPN is always, always a blue. Go on, you can ask me what a blue is. Okay. Yeah, I've got <laughs> I'm waiting so, for someone. Okay, so so blues have a tendency to have something to do with sanitation, crowd control, or they're very, very low level. They are 
extremely generally dirty generally unpleasant they generally don't pay very well but it is always the first bpn i said we should probably get some work uh this uh well for you lot this booze probably isn't going to pay for itself but you know give me a couple hours i'll uh there are ways to get some extra credits in there well do we want to head down to the crib in the morning then i think that's a good idea bob yeah, because there's no point getting anything done now. Because if they if they want us on a clock, I certainly don't want to do thing after a last night and be a long day. I've had a busy day shopping. You know that amongst the things that I bought, I bought a camera. Oh, okay. Is it with you in the bar? No, it's not. Okay. My camera is currently charging. I bought this camera because I figure that we can get good media footage, which we can therefore sell, and then the assumptions people will know who we are. That sounds like a good plan. It has got an incredibly good zoom range on it. The person in the shop assured me that the picture clarity will be of the utmost quality. It also has a battery life of up to 12 hours, so it's ideal for field work. It comes with a unit as well that I can use to edit footage afterwards, but I would not take that in the field with me because that would be impractical. Just a little bit. It also has an accessory that lets me do voiceovers, so I can do voiceovers of the footage that we capture. I think it will be ideal. Yeah, agreed. I think you just nominate yourself to be our media officer. The media officer of the assumptions. So what do you think of that, big man? That sounds like a fantastic idea. Does that I mean, mean I will engage with the press? Well, more that you'll be the cameraman, because you're tall, right? So you can get the great angles with how tall you are. So you can look over things and be filming me as I'm charging in and getting all the glory. And that's teamwork, right? That's how that's how teams work. We all have our role. That'll be that could be your role. That's very that's a great idea. I like the concept of teamwork. When Carrie and Hunt, they do so in a pack, and they often use one outsider as a distraction while the rest of the pack move around for the kill. I think you will be perfect in that role as a distraction. Bovel seems completely sincere when he says this. <laughs> Well, if you're the cameraman in Tolan, maybe you'll be the distraction because they'll be seeing you and, you know, you'll, you'd stand up for a crowd with how big you are. So I guess we'll see how this plays out, eh? I think this will be excellent to see how this plays out. I am looking forward to our first BPN. Uh, well, I've heard they're not particularly glamorous to start with, but, you know, we got to get the crap work out of the way before we get to the good stuff, I suppose. Well, you never know, we might get lucky. But we get to put our training into action, and that is a good thing. I'm excited for this. Sure. What is this hard stuff you mentioned earlier? Oh, you'll find out in a minute. Uh, I flagged down. The, I flagged down the waitress whenever she looks at me. Yeah. I'm trying not to be a complete idiot. I'm trying well, to be Samuel Wade. While you're doing that, like, Bovel is literally staring at the back of your head as you're trying to flag her down. He's fascinated as to what you're about to do. She, she sees you. Comes over. Another three days. Now let, let's um, let's move on to what, what what's your what's your best hard liquor here? I uh, got some uh, got some whiskey. I can get you a list. I mean, we've got quite quite a range of, of whiskeys. If you're uh, into, just uh, just surprise us with some decent whiskey, not not top shelf. I don't want to I don't want to you know be spending too much money the first night. But something that something that'll get us good sloshed. First night. Wow. First night in this bar. All right. Okay. Just, uh, you know, saw the badges, you know, you guys kind of, I said, new around here, I guess. So you'll be off to the crib then, at some Indeed. point. Yeah. Okay, well, you know. The plan? 
we get a few operators in here every now and again and uh you know more more than happy you to welcome you guys and you know make sure you get your your daves and uh as i said got some whiskeys here so i'll uh, i'll go and have a look um, how much she kind of leans in says, how much do you want to spend bottle whispers how much do you want to spend how much seems reasonable jason for whiskey. Mate, it's whiskey. And I know whiskey. And it can be ridiculously <laughs> yeah, expensive. Uh, uh, yes, that's why reasonable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jason, that, that bar we went to in Vegas. Ah, uh, yeah, we spent a lot uh, of money I'm, on whiskey. I'm w- well aware. And it's not quite that point in the night yet. So, I mean, you know, if you spend for a regular kind of you know, whiskey, you're probably looking at a couple of credits of fish off. If you want to pay more than that, you can pay. McTavish is not a top shelf kind of guy. Let's just put it, let's be clear about this. That has become obvious, yeah. Um, (laughs) It very quickly (laughs) became very obvious. Um, Yet, anyway, I'm sure he'll develop uh, a connoisseur's taste for this kind of stuff as his SCL goes up. So, yeah, a couple of of credits a shot. uh, Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so again, you'll get get a bill at the end of the evening anyway, so um, she goes away, she comes back, she's got three little glasses and, um, you know, there's a little little jug of water and a couple of little little pot of ice cubes and, 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 you know, and and this bottle of whiskey and she kind of pours three whiskeys and hands them, puts the ice down and uh, slides the chet across and warms it up. Avril's looking between the ice and the, the whiskey and the water. Yeah. McTavish, which one do we drink? So, the best way to do this is you see that ice, you shove those up your nose, and then you drink the whiskey. He kind of seems to think about that for a second. They would not fit in my nasal cavities. Well, you may have to improvise a wee bit. Can you demonstrate? I don't want to spoil the experience. I, I have different physiology from you, though. I think it would be difficult. But well, well, you see, clearly have is... done this before. This is more of like for for uh, for first timers, right? It's a rite of passage for you. He looks down at the ice, picks up a, an ice cube, and you kind of you hear it tapping it against like a bony skull. No, this will not fit. Oh well, I guess you, I guess you fell the rite of passage. All right, fair enough. So Any sh- this, this rite of passage, what does it grant me? You get to be a member of the whiskey club. What benefits does this membership entail? You'll find out when you drink it. <laughs> McTavish shows them how to do it correctly. Which is? Yeah. <laughs> this is where we judge you, Steve. Yeah. This is where this is where I'm not a whiskey drinker in real life. <laughs> if it was me, it would be the ice goes in the glass, yes. whiskey goes in the glass, and water goes in the glass as well, because that, boy, me, me and that drink do not go down well. <laughs> but McTavish is not a cultured fellow like you are Matt so. that's not culture that's blasphemy where whiskey's concerned water to get down like that this, this is kind of the this is you know not not exactly as you said top shelf so you know a, a little bit of water in fact you know ice will chill it and take the taste away so that's not a bad shell okay anyway, McTavish doesn't yeah. bother with the ice he just he just he just downs it he just downs it me okay no he's got no class he's yeah. absolute scum so it's just gone. It's just gone. So he shots this whiskey. It's a good job he didn't pay any money for it. I'll be wincing right now. He ignores the ice. He ignores the water. Orville does the same. Okay. Winces slightly. Yeah. This reminds me of water I drank from a puddle in Cannibal Sector 1. It can be pretty unpalatable. There was diesel spilt in that water, I believe. And now you just paid two credits for the same experience. I will not be doing that again. 
Now, there are some cocktails I can definitely agree with have that same aroma. Bovel stands up. Well, if we have to be meeting tomorrow morning, I need to get my requisite eight hours of rest. Will we meet at 7 a.m.? Oh, well, let's, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. It's, uh, it's a, little, a little early, don't you think? Not if I want to rest. Well, when, when do the cribs normally open? They're open 24 hours. Oh, okay. Slaney's job's doing all the time. Yeah, they, you know, the city that never sleeps, the world that never sleeps, the universe that never sleeps. Should we uh, say get up at seven and then meet at eight? So give a little bit of elbow room. You you want aim for that? We'll aim for that as as like any. He's looking directly at Bobble. We'll <laughs> aim for that as the objective to possibly start at, and then if we need to stretch out that goal, then maybe we'll stretch it out. But let's aim for it. How about that? We'll see if we can meet our objective. It's like wincing at using this enunciated business-like crap words the whole way. Powerful nods. Agreed. Let's say outside the crib. So yeah, we, we pick a crib that's near here. Okay, no problem. And Bovel heads off back to his apartment <clears throat> to go to bed amidst all his stuff. Bob and Bob, time for, some, time for some bonding or are you guys off to Bedville as well? I think the safety safety of home is, is definitely a good thing. Okay. Tavish just going nowhere. <laughs> In fact, he's looking around to see if anyone's gambling and looking to see if there's a way he can score some, score some quick credits, some quick unis or whatever. Um, it's it's a bar. You're almost certainly going to find somebody who's playing cards in the corner or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's not going to be big money. Uh, it's not like I think I roll the game, but it can probably look after most of your bar bill for the evening if you uh, if you want. Not quite the bar bill, but, but feeding the. Uh, Feeding the addiction as well. <laughs> I know what you mean, Bob. He's got to scratch that itch. You got to scratch that itch. Okay. Um, so you've got gambling skill. You could say that. Quite a bit of it, I think. I think he's got quite a bit of it as well. Uh, uh, yes. Bone, uh, total eight. I did say we were probably going to roll any dice tonight, but. Yes, you could fine. just say that I win. I, I, we don't I, even I, worry about it. You I'm could not. just say that he loses. I could. <laughs> you could do that too. I could. But no, um, this this is I mean so this is a bright new dawn of a beautiful day, and you know the whole future is open to you guys to seize with both hands. So today, today, you know the luck gods are with you, and you end up fifty credits to the red chair, which, as your bar bill throughout the night comes to about forty five credits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that he got stuck with the bill. He did get. I was sitting there thinking they've all gone and left him with the bill. So um, I don't know if you're tipping the, the young lady, the waitress. Uh, yeah, he gets the fancy credits and he leaves over five credits. So basically, he's cost neutral for the evening. Okay, yeah, like it. Cool. But he's still got to feed his addiction, right? Yep. He's the, he had to scratch that itch because that would be bad otherwise. And then you head back to your digs, I'm guessing. And yeah, after a few more drinks, he head back. Yeah. will have a, a reasonable night's sleep, I'm guessing. Did any of you take housing disadvantages or advantage? No. Uh, one point advantage. A one point advantage? Yeah, I do as well. What? You guys took all the cool stuff. Bovril's not. Bovril didn't, yeah. Whatever the basic housing is, it's, oddly enough, a massive step up from a hole in the ground in Cannibal Sector <laughs> 1. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It or the is. sewers. Okay, so you're you're in Upper Downtown, Ian, because that's where. So you have to actually go outside of the um, the wall. You guys get a, 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 an apartment in one of these concrete blocks. I think kind of mega city, mega blocks. Um, 
So it's you know, there's graffiti everywhere. It's you know the the elevator smells of piss, and you know, and this is a good area. So mm. well, Mick Tavish's elevator, to be honest. <laughs> and conversely, of course, but it does mean you stay within the wall, which means you don't have to go through any security checks in and out. Bovril does. And you know you go under the watchful gaze of all the dark finders as you step back out into the to upper downtown and um, find yourself a, a route back to this apartment. And, you know you get a few. Just lots of people will look at you as you go by because the vans carrying just are a relatively recent addition to the operative ranks, and people are not used to seeing you going around. And the looks you get when you put your key in the door of your apartment. There are a lot of people questioning what just moved in next door. Okay, Bovril is completely oblivious to this. Of course he is. Of course he is. But, and 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 to him, he opens up on this the door onto palace. Palace. It's, you know, it's got walls. It's got running water. As you open the door, you're greeted by the warmth of this, or bathed in the light from this TV that's permanently on. You know, the, the lights work mostly, and things. Like that, although you probably don't even switch them on. Uh, other than to see that they work. And you spend the night blissfully serenaded by the sounds of upper downtown, which probably involves some shiver sirens and <laughs> the odd scream, but it's the soothing rather than scary. He'll count off his stuff before he goes to sleep. Okay, okay. And he's got all his boxes nicely. The boxes set. are all piled up neatly. And the next morning rolls around, so who makes 8am? Barbara does. Of course Barbara does. And Bob makes 8 a.m. Yep, with the problem. Looking at you, McTavish. McTavish is the 30 minutes early. No, no he's, he's definitely not. <laughs> well, you, what have you done with the real McTavish? <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely not there 30 minutes early. He's probably about, for him being on time, if he actually makes a real effort, which he didn't go on a complete bender last night, which was actually quite quite a character for him. He might actually be trying to make a good impression. He's probably about 20 minutes late. So you guys are there for a little while. There's no sign of McTavish. Um, you are looking at this like squat concrete edifice, which is the, the Slayer, local Slayer's crib. Um, you can see various operatives going in and out, um, and it is heaving. It is absolutely heaving. There are hundreds and hundreds of operatives getting in that door. and the, You look, you kind of glance your lips inside, and it's very much like um, queuing hell, okay? Every, it's all loads of these like little back and forwards lines of taped off, um, all these screens with numbers that clock up and get you know, buzz, new number, somebody comes through. And there are a lot of very bored looking, quite angry looking operatives and they're all fully kitted up for bear. This is 8am. This is 8am, yeah. Uh, some of them are asleep. You know, imagine like a, you know, imagine like an airport lounge after all the planes have been cancelled. You know, it's that kind of. People have been there a while. I mean, you're watching, and in the 20 minutes it takes for Mitavish to turn up, you see a constant stream of like delivery drivers coming up, dropping off pizza or, or you know, you know various noodles or whatever, and and finding. Uh, operative squads halfway down a halfway down a queue and dropping off and taking money and going and you've got a feeling you might be here a while. Mm. As this is going on, as people walk in, Borrell's going to keep up to Bob, almost a running commentary of what they're wearing and what they're equipped with, but he can see it. Okay. And if, for the things he does know, 
you'll probably be talking about things like the recoil on the, on the weapons and what sort of ammunition best suits them. And for the armor, you'll be talking about ablative strengths and all sorts of other stuff. He is completely fascinated by this. As I'm coming by, Bob is completely oblivious to all this technical weaponry. So it's such a vague degree of interest going, oh, okay, might need to consider that if I want, uh, want a weapon then. Oh, that sounds pretty good armor whenever I'm going to be able to afford it. Yeah, you do have that rather large empty mag hold on your hip at the moment. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's looking but, for a, a pistol that hasn't arrived yet. So, by the way, Bordel has turned up with everything. So yep. he's, he's got his armor, he's got his gash fist, he's got a large submachine gun over his back, <clears throat> he's got his big pistol thing, and he's also got a medical, like a doctor's bag with a whatever the sleigh equivalent of the Red Cross is on the side of that. Is it a Booper Booper branded? Of course it's Booper branded, yeah. Yeah. It's it's not an animal. And... Mm. (laughs) And Depends who you ask, right? (laughs) And he's also got a camera stuck in a mic hold as well. And he's he's got a a flashlight on the shoulder that retracts in and out of his armour. And he'll probably occasionally be playing that just to demonstrate it to Bob the nice noise it makes when it comes out and the satisfying click it makes when it goes back in I, I feel distinctly underdressed with uh, just my body blocker armour a uh, couple of mag holds one of which is say glaringly empty <laughs> regular gun with a silencer attached a uh, couple of clips and that's pr- almost apart from just the, the mundane stuff that we've got about it Bovril only has body blocker as well. He doesn't have anything impressive armor-wise, apart from he loves that he paid for this customization on the shoulder. So McTavish finally walks in, and he is also decked out for bear and is certainly not in body blocker armor. He is decked out in uh, PB13XO armor. Looks quite impressive. His kill is over it. So he's he's got his he's got his clan attire over the armor, but you, he's got his helmet off right now, clipped and mag hold. You know, claimer on his back. You know, strikes a pretty good look. And then as looking around for you, and it's also kind of like, this, I'm assuming he's seeing other frothers floating around, right? Yeah, there'll be other frothers. Yeah. He, These guys are actually outside. Okay, he's probably side eyeing um, some of them. Like, there's probably clan rivalries up the wazoo. Yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 frothers aren't generally the most uh, tolerant of uh, of people. So yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of frothers out there, and you know. Some of them are looking at you like you just like something they would peel off the shoe. You know what I mean? Yeah, vice versa. I'm sure. Quite. Yeah. Before he manages to get himself in more trouble, though, he spots this pair and walks up to them. Uh, kind of looks at, I guess, whatever would count for a watch or time or phone or whatever uh, See, I, time I, tracking I, I implement. Think he, I think he's got drawn one on with pyro. <laughs> That's what I imagine. Because he's literally got a watch drawn onto his wrist in Biro with the hands permanently like 20 to 4 or whatever, right? And and it's not a real watch. That's what I imagine, but you know. I, I can get behind that. And it's, and it, funnily enough, it says exactly 8 o'clock. It says, yeah. it says, it says It'll be on the wrist of his uh, of his uh, XO armor, I guess. Yeah, it, it's erasable. But it's, yeah, 8 a.m. right on time. Good to see you guys. Bovril just seems to be in awe of his armor. And hear him rhyming off the uh, the stats. So is that PP10 you've got? Uh no, no. PP10s for PP10s for chuckle, chuckleheads. This is uh this is the new Mark II PP13. PP13. That is a very impressive suit of armor. You will be ideal in our pack. I would hope so. It is. It's spangly new, and you know they're relatively recent addition to the catalogue. They'll uh, 
Mark II. Bob, McTavish has made prudent choices for spending his finances. We should put him in charge of finances. Oh, no, that's 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 more uh, the paper pusher over here. That's his job. My job is to run forward with the sword, kill everything in sight, and look good doing it. Well, you will look good wearing that armor. I hope one day to be able to afford that too. Uh, maybe one day. You keep up that that burgeoning work as the cameraman, and you know you'll get your 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 fair share of all of our uh, all of our coats, and then you too can afford armor like this. Yeah, I do not mind being the paper pusher support. And I'm kind of eyeing up his um, bow's armor, wondering, can I? Will my silhouette fit behind it, so that he would make a great piece of uh, oh, yeah. cover for me? Mo- mobile cover? Yeah, he definitely can fit behind it. <laughs> Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, even if he wasn't, I mean, he's, he's a frother, so you know, he's pretty stocky, stacked kind of build anyway. And and he's wearing massive amounts of armor, so yeah, that adds a bit of bulk as well. So, yeah. Good. That's probably something actually for the listeners. I think um, when we talk about armor and sleigh, that Matt and my characters are wearing tissue like, paper. High, well, it, it's it's high tech body armor by normal standards, whereas I think Steve's wearing something most suited to Warhammer 40k than yeah. what, what we're wearing. It, they're powered suits, so it's quite considerable in its size. He's a big bulky lad right now, but you know he'll be able to shrug off rounds that would literally tear through your armor, you, and the back of your armor. Prudent, I think you called it. <laughs> it's a prudent assumption. Prudent assumption. So I guess you guys then join the queue in the BPN hall. You've been listening to The Assumptions, our Slay Industries actual play podcast. This is a mini-series that we've added as part of the main Roll to Save lineup. We hope you enjoyed it, and that you will join us for our next episode. Thanks again to Jason for running the game, and of course to Steve for voicing McTavish, and Matt for voicing Bob. If you want to hear more from Matt, you can find him on the Good Friends of Jackson Elias podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so on Twitter at SavePodcast, or you can email us at roll.2.save.pod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Roll to Save. We're a monthly podcast about the history of old school RPGs. We hope you'll join us for our next episode. Until then, remember, guns kill, but so does the truth. <laughs> <laughs>